Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the third season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and for the first time, I'm not joined by Scott Fotheringham. Instead, replacing him is Alex Bell, famous for Stringer's Innovations. Um, I think that's the first time you've ever actually given my name on the podcast, so that, there goes that mystery, but... I think given that 99% of the people who listen to this podcast, people that know who you are, they may have guessed. Um... I'm impressed that you think you've got a hundred listeners, but um, that's uh, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> that was terrible. Okay, it's a big week of footy, uh, but we do have to address the elephant in the room. Unfortunately, um, Scott couldn't make it for some personal reasons, so we're sending our love to him, and uh, we'll get to the football to hopefully brighten everybody's day after that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you have been given the role of. The reins for gold jacket, green jacket, so uh, we'll take it away from there. Yeah, well, it's a serious responsibility, and despite some absolute drubbings this week, um, it was actually a difficult one to pick, because uh, even though we were there were quite a few drubbings, um, they did have, uh, I think, big implications for uh, for the season. So um, it was, Also, there were too many of them to fit into three. That's true as well. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, nah, there were still a few supri- surprises amongst them. So for one vote, um, I'm actually going to give it uh, to uh, the Giants over the Dockers. Um, really? Yeah, yep, yep. Interesting. Um, you have taken this approach completely differently to Fothers. No. So I like it. Well, I think that, uh, you know, first of all, they were the, uh, that, you know, that was, uh, I suppose, the expected uh, expected winner, and in many senses, the expected result from uh, from that game. Um, you know, Giants by uh, by five goals. It's, you know, it's enough of a win that... Um, yeah, that's probably fair, actually. Yeah, you know, it's enough of a win that, you know, they were clearly the better side, and uh, but not enough of a win that you could say that Fremantle are, are, are a terrible side, which I think is just about where we think both those sides are at. So from that from, from that sense, I don't think there's much that we uh, that we could learn from that game that we didn't already know or didn't already think. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, there was really only Freer were there for a quarter and then sort of fell off as the game wore on. Yeah. A few players stood up for GWS, but they also got a few injuries. Yeah. Uh, Cameron's in a bit of strife. Josh Kelly's still out going forward so yeah yeah a few question marks on their health but other than that yeah yeah not i mean much. and uh cameron had a, a had a big day but he was uh, he was inaccurate um he could have had a huge day but um some uh some disappointing kicking for uh, for jeremy but you only say that because you're in your fantasy side let's move on we'll that's the only reason i know his stats i'll tell you <laughs> that um <laughs> we'll move on uh two votes i'm giving to uh the Kangaroos over Carlton. I can't, I can't, I can't really dispute this one, but I will anyway. <laughs> this was a side that was predicted to finish, win the wooden spoon by a lot of experts, and we just won a game by nearly 15 goals. Yeah, but you change your expectations as the season goes on, and I think after three rounds, not many people are, are still saying that, that North Melbourne are going to win the wooden spoon. Carlton, on the other hand, I think a lot of people, especially after their performance last week, no one was really optimistic about uh, about Carlton this week, and then uh, losing Murphy right before the uh, the opening bounce, which is probably the, the main talking point from a Carlton sense for this game. Um, that was that just confirmed the result before the game even started. I think, don't you? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, look, that's probably the truth. I just wanted for the first week, the first time all season, North not to be one of the Gold Jacket, Green Jacket games. And given no media outlets talked about it from a North perspective, I would have enjoyed the chance to just talk about how good Ben Brown is, yeah, yeah. how good Sean Higgins is, 
That, to be honest, the story is how rubbish Carlton are. Yeah, look, that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, but I just say that there's probably a reason that not many people are talking about uh, about that particular game or, or North Melbourne in that particular game because, yeah, you know what? You can't. They're a, they're a good side, but at the end of the day, when one player kicks uh, kicks more points than an entire team, generally speaking, the story's <laughs> going to be about the team that gets beaten. And uh, in this case, I think that's what that's uh, that's fair enough. Carlton uh, look woeful at the moment. I think. Uh, now that uh, Murphy's out for four weeks, they're in serious, serious trouble. Yeah, Ben Brown was the first uh, first North Melbourne forward to do that in, what, 20 years since Wayne Carey in 1998. So, you know, had his uh, company there. Yeah, well, uh, uh, big shoes, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so what takes the three votes? Uh, yeah, I'd say, look, for mine, the three votes this week goes to the Cats over the Saints. Um down at uh, down at Geelong, uh, given the way the Saints have been playing recently, I think a, a forty-seven win to the, forty-seven point win, I should say, to the Cats really just doesn't give us much. Um, you know, the Cats probably haven't been as good as perhaps a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of Cats fans, were sort of I suppose hoping and a lot of people expected. But um, the the Saints have been pretty disappointing, um, a much more disappointing, you'd have to say, if you're a St Kilda fan. And, and yeah, to be fair to Geelong, though, they do have a lot of injuries, and all they in do. one area of the ground. They do, which, you're right. And in one type of player, which has really exposed them, I think. That's I true. I think if they have either Lockie Henderson or Harry Taylor, they beat Hawthorne. That's true, and they were missing, uh, they were missing Ablett as well this week, which... Uh, which does hurt. I mean, yeah, we all know the quality. Against, yeah. uh, they missed danger against Melbourne. Duncan missed too. You're right. But at the same time, I think that these sorts of things probably highlight something that I suppose a lot of people pointed out about Geelong, um, especially before the season, which is that their depth could be an issue and that, um, you know, they've got a... At full strength, they are, without doubt, a fantastic side, but take away a few of those players. And we know that Gary's getting old. He's, he's very injury-prone. We saw that at, uh, at Gold Coast. And uh, I think that once you take away um, a couple of those those first choice players, perhaps there's not that much lying underneath. Yeah, to be fair though, they're two and two with not the easiest draw in the world, and they would have beaten. I probably they probably would have won both those games they lost if they weren't so injured. And they're they're not injuries to their completely top end talent, so that kind of implies that they've got a bit more depth than people give them credit for. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but. Um I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out as the season goes on. <laughs> That's um, very true. Uh, from St Kilda's perspective, they're woeful. They are. Uh, yeah. I think they'll finish bottom four the way they're playing. There's. Oh, just you'd no- have to think so, wouldn't you? There is nothing really positive going for them. At I mean, last year when they didn't take a leap that people expected to them, they had real growth from mm. guys like Jack Billings. This mm. year, I think everybody's gone backwards. Has anybody really announced themselves or improved themselves in your mind from St Kilda? I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't seen much of them. But what, from what I have seen, I mean, there's just been no one that stood out to me. And that's the thing, I think that's a, that's a knock that St Kilda are getting a lot at the moment. They haven't got any sort of big name, game-winning players. I mean, their best, you know, who would you say the best player on St Kilda's list is at the moment? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I mean, you, you sort of talk about blokes like you know, probably I think for mine, probably Jack Stevens got to be your uh, got to be up there. But you know, Jack Stevens, well, Jack Stevens, a good player. He'd, he'd probably get a gig in any side in the comp. But he's not a he's not an A grader by any means. He's not a. He's very close to an A grader though. He's getting. I, there, I'd put him. I'd put him in the sort of Ben Cunnington bracket of a. <coughs> Close. No, because guy uh, that a lot of people say isn't an A grader, but he's pretty close. 
Uh, I think you and I might uh, you do, might set the boundaries a bit differently for so a grader. Ben Cunnington, top five uh, contested ball midfielder in the competition. Not no, not even close to an A grader. No, look, we're talking about St Kilda here, mate. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, so that's why we give a gold jacket, green jacket to. Yeah, I think the cats, cats Saints taught yeah. us nothing. Fair enough. We really muffed that up because we were supposed to play the clip, but we didn't give it an opportunity. Well, so that's all right. I don't really. We'll move on. Let's get to the rest of the football, and let's get to the game that you really want to talk about. You're a Collingwood man. I am a Collingwood man. We'll start start off the top. Collingwood defeated Adelaide by forty eight points. Yeah. Is this the best win you've had in six years? Six years. Jeez, that's going back a while. Um. Oh, it's difficult. I, it's difficult to say it's the best win we know. we've pretty had in close. six, you haven't been six good years. About six years. Well, it's not that we have... We've shown... We've had good games in the last six years, for sure. But I think the implications from this are probably just about as big as they've been for six years. In the sense that a lot of the time in recent years, Collingwood have had good games, but they've come either too late in the season or they've been one-off performances... This has been, I mean, this is sort of capped off three weeks in a row where Collingwood have looked a really, really good side. I mean, against GWS, they didn't get the win, but they were very, very competitive in that game against a team that did, I think, play well. I mean, I was at the game, and I think GWS, they weren't at their best, admittedly, but they did play well, and they, they, they weren't... Uh, Collingwood always play well against GWS, so it's one of the they do seem amazing, to match up well, don't it's they? One of the yeah. amazing things about Nathan Buckley's tenure is that the entire way through he's pretty much beaten GWS. I think last year was the first. Having time said he lost that, it. having said that, that's um, you, you look at Collingwood's record away, and I think that was one of the first, if not the first time we played them at the MCG, which admittedly GWS historically haven't played that well, but I think Collingwood have a very good away record, and so having always played the that's Giants away. Um, it, it probably uh, skews it a little away from uh, from it's that. It's quite counterintuitive the your ability to travel and not really win at home. It is weird, isn't it? But I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure. But um, I think Collingwood probably uh, in the last few years have been a big backs against the wall team, and that's probably um, a lot of their big sort of performances have come in in sort of games where they haven't been given much chance and maybe playing away uh, sort of feeds that. I'm not really sure what that's it is. That's probably fair because you've relied on real over-the-top effort to win you a lot of games in this period because your skill level hasn't been there and I don't think tactically you've been there. So games where you really go 110% is probably the game you've got to win. But um, no, on Friday night, I think um, the implications from this are huge because, as I said, you know, these games, these big performances from Collingwood, uh, as you rightly point out, have been based a lot on just effort and and the the sort of uh, having that pressure. There still hasn't been that much structure and organisation, which is actually what we saw on Friday night. And the other thing is that these games have come at the end of the year, they haven't sort of meant as much as this. It's always been dead rubber. This is is a game that's taken us to two and two at the start of the season. And it's it's been an accumulation of, of... sort of form I guess in the sense that the trajectory of Collingwood has been alright that first week we you know we were terrible like well we, we weren't great um, <laughs> we didn't play well at all the second week we played better last week against Carlton you know it was difficult to know what to take out of the game because Carlton were absolutely rubbish and Collingwood you know for a half they played fantastically in the second half they were so and so I mean it was kind of uh, the game had already been won pretty much but this week it was uh Admittedly, I only saw probably three quarters of the game, but they looked just absolutely fantastic straight out of the blocks. They were, they were just incredible. I couldn't believe it. And the, 
the the way that they combined the pressure that they'd had they've had for the last sort of few years but it was much more consistent that was the other this is the other thing about Collingwood is even you know even last year in games that we lost we'd have periods where we played well and we'd mm. be able to exert that pressure but this was just consistent throughout all of what I saw and they were able to back it up with an actual well, you could see what they were trying to do yeah, and you'd have to be happy with the way your forward line worked. I think it's the first time in two or three years I've looked at your forward line and go, it's actually functioning. And I think a lot of that was, a, a lot of your small forwards were played a lot more intelligently than mm. your system seemed to allow them to. Previously, James Stevenson, the Rising Star nomination, mm. played fantastically and seemed to work into space really, really well. Uh, ben Crock has been pretty good doing mm. that this year for you guys, and I think at one point a couple of weeks ago it was talked about as your actual main target because mm. your tall forwards weren't doing anything. Well, that's true, and then yeah, we have, we've, we've, we're missing a few few players from the forward line. Yeah, so, and um, Degoe added a bit more power through there yeah. as well. So I think for the first time, there's real signs of what you want to do with ball movement. But I think you know a lot of the talk's been around. Um, I think probably it's also demonstrated that perhaps a lot of the forward issues we have haven't actually been down to the forward because a lot of the talk's been around the uh, the midfield actually as they're entering the forward line, not just bombing it in, mm. but actually lowering their eyes and 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 being able to hit, hit you know pick yeah. out targets and. I think that goes to show that a lot of the problems we've had haven't actually been with the forward line not being able to uh, not being able to be a target, but it's actually been the, the forward entry. Yeah, it's the type of target. None of your forwards are really built for the bombed in no. uh, tactic. Even Mason Cox, even though he's a giant, is yeah. not particularly strong through the hips, yeah. so he can get pushed off the ball mm. easily. So pack marks aren't really yeah. his go. Well, he wants to be more like Ben Brown, who moves. <laughs> no, Ben Brown doesn't do that well either, and he moves yeah, well in the lead because he's 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 fully stretched arms. Nobody, no defender can actually spoil it. I'm imp- so, I'm impressed that you've managed to bring this back to North Melbourne, but um, you didn't let me speak about North Melbourne. So I'm going <laughs> to speak about North Melbourne, and if yeah, you ever listen, you realise I you're, do this all the time. You're always, I've realised, but uh, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, I think we'll talk about a bit about uh, Mason Cox later. I think uh, I think there's a, there's sneak, a big sneak preview, <laughs> bury the lead. We should talk about Adelaide, though. Ah, uh, yeah. Are you worried about them? Um, well, I mean, it was you what? probably weren't on the night. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, it was what two weeks ago that they uh, they beat Richmond, Richmond in, a, in, a, in a good performance, and it was you know they looked good. Um, that was obviously going to be the game that they, they you know pulled themselves up for and really pumped, got themselves pumped up for being the grand final rematch. Um, oh, it's hard to know what to make of them, isn't it? I mean, it's too early. I think. I, yeah, and I think with the injuries they have through the midfield, that's true as well. It's I, Collingwood's just a bad matchup for that. If your yeah. midfield isn't there, Collingwood can really take advantage of it because that's your real yeah. strength. Yeah. Your ball winning through there. That's true. And that's true. without the Crouch brothers and Sloan is just walking wounded. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Steel Sidebottom was sent to Sloan on. Um, on Friday night and ended up with 43 touches. So Yeah, because Sloan couldn't run the other way, which exactly has been right. Sloan's strength for the majority of his career. Yeah. And even though Gibbs is brought in there, they've had so many other losses yeah. through injury That's that true. it hasn't actually improved their midfield at this stage. When the when those guys come back, I think it will. But at yeah. this stage, they're 
just barren through their cam. Ellis Yolman's been true. okay, but he shouldn't be your third midfielder, which is kind of what he is at this point in terms of the contested possession. That's he true. needs to be an extra guy. You float through there to pinch hit and yeah, put true. a bit of a mix-up in. He can't function as a yeah. prime mover in there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with you, but I mean, it's important to remember that uh, you know, Con- uh, not Con- Adelaide went into that game heavy, heavy favourites, and you know, yeah. people knew about these sorts of things before the game. Were still willing to uh, willing to back them in, and I, I think that. Uh, they should have been better, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Their forward line just didn't work. Eddie's, Eddie Betts is injured for a couple of weeks. He's injured, but he's looked slow, hasn't he? He's, he's, yeah, he hasn't had it at all this year. He just hasn't looked the same years. player that he's been for the last few years. And I don't know whether it's a it's an, you know, an age thing or whether it's just form. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, well, um, he only kicked the goal, his first goal in round three. these are the sorts of questions that sort of lead me to say, well, maybe it's too early to actually judge Adelaide because it's... it's it, it, it's the sort of thing that is it just a, is it just a matter of form? Is it just a matter of these players, you know, perhaps having a little bit uh, having a little bit of a hangover from from last year's grand final, maybe missing out on that extra couple of weeks of preseason, or is it just are they just over the hill? Is someone like Eddie Betts never going to return to the uh, the same form we've seen over the last few years? It's too early to say, I think. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that, and until they have close to what the side has been the last few years, which has been elite. They were a game outside of the top four the two years ago. They made the grand final yeah. last year. Until we get a side that resembles that, we can't really judge them because at the moment they're yeah. a shell of themselves in the most important area of the ground. I talked about Geelong's injuries, but having a midfield is more important than having a defence. The, yeah. well, oh, yeah. the way it's structured at the moment, midfield is 80% of the game. Yeah. So you, they just... They need those yeah. guys. Back. And you look at you look at premiership sides from the last decade, and that's that's just backs up what you say. Um, you say we can't make a judgment. I'm going to force you to. Where would you have Adelaide at the moment? Then at the end of the year, where do you think they finish on the table? I still think they finish top four. Do you? All right. I still I haven't seen good enough performances from any other side to make me think. To make me think someone finishes above them. Okay. Well, four teams finishes above them. I'd probably have them in the second half of the eight, I think. Really? So who? what kind of sides would you say are better than them? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, it's just so hard to say, isn't it? Um, uh, uh, um, uh, I think, well, your, your obvious ones are sort of your Richmond, uh, GWS, Sydney... Um, and then, I don't know, I think perhaps we'll, uh, there could be a sneaky one that maybe even finished outside of the eight last year. Maybe even like an Essendon or uh, dare oh, I... You've gone back on Essendon quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what they saw. I like what I saw from Essendon on Sunday, but we'll, we'll get to that game. But um, yeah, it could even just be a, a surprise. I just, from what I've... The only reason I say this is from what I've seen so the last couple of weeks, Adelaide haven't been a top 14, basically. Yeah, that's fair. And again, we just have to wait and see. I've let's, seen other teams play better. <laughs> let's move on to the uh, next game. And I know you wanted to say Collingwood all through that, so I'm well restrained. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly did. You no, spoke I, uh... to me before saying, oh, we're making finals. So uh, I applaud your restraint. I obviously don't have that. So it's good to see someone bring some professionalism to this pod. Uh, next game, you're going to have to defend how this one wasn't in gold jacket, green jacket. Uh, Richmond defeated Brisbane by 93. Oh, I don't think it's hard to defend why this one was uh, in a gold jacket, green jacket. Oh, hold on. It's the t- Premier from last year defeating last year's wooden spoon by 93 points. Exactly right. But what we uh, what we saw 
was a lot of people before this week. Um, you know, I heard people saying, I legitimately heard the, uh, that people, people saying, respected footy analysts, I should add, saying that Brisbane could be the best 0-3 team of all time. Now, I don't think there'll be a single person this week that saying... Fit, that fits in with a later segment pretty well. I don't think... Given that, Sydney with 0-3 last year. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But in terms of performances, and I think that, you know, we knew last year that Sydney's performances weren't representative of how, that, how good they were as a site because they weren't performing. Brisbane had been performing up to this round and they, they did look like a decent side. And that's why I think that, uh, you know, there's not going to be a single person this week saying that Brisbane are going to be the best 0-4 side of all time, is there? I think this no, is really... very hard to This do. is really, really... Uh, <clears throat> it, it, it's basically put, uh, put water over the hype uh, that was surrounding Brisbane. Um, and it's really sort of uh, forced us to reassess where actually Brisbane are. And on top of that, it's been... Uh, it's sort of shown us that uh, perhaps Richmond are the real deal again. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of implications for this uh, for this game, despite uh, it being uh, the last year's premiers versus the Wooden Spooners, and there was always questions around were were Richmond going to be able to to back it up? I mean, a lot of people saw them as having just peaked at the right time and not actually being that good of a side. Well, this is a big, big result for them, and the fact that Brisbane kicked two goals for a game, um, it uh, it's a big result in that sense as well for Brisbane, and not in the right way. Yeah, I, I, I see all that, but still, it was the top side from last year beating the bottom side from last year. So I'm not kind of willing to give it. Oh, too I'm much not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I the, don't think this necessarily yeah. affirms Richmond's premiership yes. credentials too much. I'm not, and I don't think it makes me think Brisbane are any. They, I do make. It does make me think they're worse than I thought a week ago, but not staggeringly so. I think. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a surprise that Richmond beat Brisbane, but it was the manner in which the game played out that I think was the uh, was the surprise for me, and was that carried implications for the rest of the season. People before this week, I think, were going to be very cautious about playing Brisbane, and I think that after this week, a lot of that, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of uh, cautiousness and a lot of the uh, fear of playing Brisbane that a lot of teams might have had might have uh, might have dissipated a little bit. Well, fair enough. Let's move on. Swans yeah. defeated the Bulldogs by seven points. I'm not going to ask you why this one wasn't on Gold Jacket Green Jacket. It's oh, pretty game honest. Round, wasn't it? By a long way. Uh, this is good signs for Western Bulldogs. Is what I took out of it. We're good signs to Western Bulldogs. Uh, I watched a fair bit of this game actually, and I thought the Western Bulldogs looked the better side. It was uh, they'll be. Very, very disappointed that they didn't get the win in this game. But, having said that, you'd have to say, as a Dogs fan, given where you were after two weeks, you'd, be, you'd have to be pretty impressed with the last two weeks that they've played. Yeah, the Essendon win last week, I didn't really hold much of a candle to because Essendon were just terrible. But they were. Performing against Sydney, even though they lost, I think this is a bigger deal for the Western Bulldogs. This is... Showing they can actually compete with good sides that are showing up. Because Sydney do not not show up they're fantastic in their consistency yeah and they were pretty good for the most part the swans they hmm. weren't at their best but they weren't meek by any means yeah yeah and for the western bulldogs to run with them the entire way i think it's just a fantastic sign for them it is it is it is absolutely but um i mean they'll still be uh they'll still be sort of disappointed not to have won this game because uh they should have won in my opinion and um 
there are a couple of moments towards the end I think that have been uh, have been replayed a fair bit and discussed a fair bit that uh, that I think a couple of Bulldogs will be ruining. But um, yeah, absolutely. And there was we've got a Kane Corns call of the week, but Paul Rue saying that Ollie Florent shouldn't have played on to kick the match winning goal or the match ceiling goal, I should say, is ridiculous in my mind. There was really? no one in front of him. He was a ruckman chasing him. If you can't back yourself in to really? kick that goal, I don't think you should have been a first-round pick for an outside player. No, I understand completely where he's coming from there. I, I watched him and I watched the vision while he was saying it, and I've got to say I agree with him completely because you've got to consider that there's 40 seconds left in that game. He gets that ball. Yes, he's out on his own, and um, but in that moment, I think the priority has to be holding up the clock and, and actually... You hold the ball for as long as you can, then you bomb it forward and eat up some of the clock. Because consider this, if he... But he wouldn't have known there was exactly 40 seconds left. For he, in his he, mind, he it would have been two minutes. Uh, I think as a player, you've got people out there. First of all, you've got people out there telling you how long. And secondly, you, are, you, you have some sort of idea. I think even as fans, we've got some sort of idea. And I think that uh, in that moment, if he, if he runs in, first of all, he could get caught. I mean, it's probably, as you know... As you point out, it could, it's probably unlikely that he gets caught, but he could get caught. And in that, and then in that case, then that's a huge uh, that's a huge uh, turnover because they uh, the dogs have the ball out on the wing and have another chance to set up and, and move inside fifty. But even if he doesn't get caught, he has that shot and he misses. Then all of a sudden, the dogs get the ball with thirty seconds left uh, at the other end of the ground, and they've got thirty seconds to get that ball up the other end and kick a goal to win the game. I think that in that moment, I can under, I can understand completely that as a coach, you probably would want them to, to hold the ball up and to, uh, to to eat up the clock. I think that's probably the smarter thing to do. But he didn't miss. He kicked the match ceiling goal and all was well. And the coach could not be disappointed with that. I don't I think, think the coach. I don't think play. the coach would be disappointed in that. I think the coach would probably have advice for the uh, for Florent that next time perhaps just hold the ball up, mate. Just uh, yeah. it's exciting footy. That's what we want to see. Oh, I think that's what we want to see as fans for sure. <laughs> I, I wouldn't disagree with you at all there. Uh, so the next game, another game you're gonna have to defend. Eagles defeated Gold Coast by eighty points. Um, I. Probably can't. This was probably. I was tossing up whether this uh, this could go in uh, in gold get jacket, green jacket. Um, the reason I didn't put it in is because I think it um, it does say a, a bit about both teams, and it does carry sort of heavy implications for both teams. I think the Eagles were a team that a lot of people before the season, uh, myself included, thought uh, were in for a, a pretty ugly season. Yeah, I think I had them third last. Which yeah, I I'll think take a mere culpa on. Most most people <laughs> most people had them uh, as the team that was uh, that was set to slide uh, sort of the furthest down the ladder and to uh, to lose most or to to uh, drop the most from last year. And uh, they haven't. They've they've come out this season, and uh, they started the season off brilliantly. And on the other hand, the Gold Coast, I think, were a team that quite a few people, and again, I'll put myself amongst these, um, expected uh, to be one of the teams that uh, that improved the most this year. And their first few rounds did did show a fair bit. I think last week, uh, especially sort of for the first three quarters against Fremantle, they. Um, they were pretty good. I did watch the game, and they were quite good. Um, and I think to come out this week and, and to lose by 80 points is a big, big loss for the uh, for the Gold Coast. It probably does set them a little bit back in their season and what they're hoping to achieve. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll pay that. I think having two games in Perth in a row, even though they stayed for a whole week, I think yeah. that's rough. And I think that's a contributing factor. Not that it changes the nature of the game at all. But I, I, I give Gold Coast a bit of a pass here. I, I didn't have huge expectations for them. And oh, neither did I. I did think the Eagles were going to win the game, but I didn't think that they were going to be that dominant. Yeah, that's very true. I, I don't think it's a crisis because oh, while not. they're this travelling roadshow, it's yeah. going to be really hard to judge them. Yeah. And to be honest, this entire season will be pretty hard to judge because if they yeah. come home like a steam train on the yeah. back stretch, yeah. again you go, well, they didn't leave home for the last yeah. 14 exactly, weeks or whatever yeah. it's going to be. So this game is, I don't take too much out of it, but I think it's really good science for the Eagles. I think it is, yeah. I think that's probably the biggest, uh, biggest thing to take out of this game is that the Eagles... Uh, the Eagles look pretty good, which, uh, which I didn't think they would. And so no, it's an amazing what Nick Nat does to that side. And they had Josh Kennedy back this week, which is big yeah. in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I and just, uh, Darling looks good this year. He's been looking looking uh, better, a lot better. He looks a lot stronger in he the does, uh, yeah. contested mark. And I think giving him, even though it was only three weeks, giving him the opportunity to carry that forward line, mm. I think he's a man that deals well with pressure being forced on him. I don't think yeah. he does well with a big stage, but I think he just does well with a bit more responsibility yeah. with Kennedy in the side for so long he was able to sort of just float around yeah. and not particularly yeah. take control of the game whereas I think those three weeks hopefully going forward it makes him stand up and realise well, I, I think can that, be the man regardless of how good Josh Kennedy is I think is. that's probably another thing that the Eagles can sort of take out of this and probably an advantage for having of having missed Kennedy for those three weeks is that for the last few years, Kennedy's just been the focal point, the absolute focal point of that forward line. And every, just about every time they've gone into it, they've been looking for him. Mm. Now perhaps they've got another couple of people, especially someone like Darling, who they can look towards. And it, it probably uh, is is a dangerous sign for opposition teams that now they've got other options and they uh, they they look dangerous. Yeah, their ball movement's back to being as crisp as it was a couple mm. of years ago. They're getting more out of the middle because of Primarily Nick Nat, I Nick think. Nat, yeah. It's hard to argue that... Because I think the midfield, on paper, has gotten worse with the losses of Mitchell and Prittis. Oh, yeah. Regardless of how That's well hard to deny, worn yeah. out they were. But the advantage they're getting from being oh, able huge. to... The 50% of game time that Nick Nat's playing... It's huge. Yeah, he, he Especially just controls in this, in this... the air a lot better than, I think, any other Ruckman. What are they calling it? The golden age of Ruckman? Yeah. Or, I don't know. But, I, uh, I think he's he, one of the better ones to have, isn't he? Absolutely. I think he's the best... Tap Ruckman in terms of when, he wins, right, the, when yeah. he wins the tap, the advantage you get from Probably it. Right, yeah. I think guys like Max Gorn can yeah. win a larger volume of hitouts, but yeah. I don't think they've got the dexterity and depth mm. touch that Nick Nat has to actually turn it into a winning yeah. clearance. Uh, Max Gorn dominated the clearance yeah. hitouts. It didn't translate to clearance wins. Nick Nat, I think it does directly translate. It does, yeah, you're and right. And his pressure around the ground is very different to what a lot of other yeah. Ruckman bring. And he, while he's not great through the air, He's, he's passable and yeah. just overall his impact is huge. Oh, yeah, it is. Absolutely. I think he's a, he's a star. Absolutely. Uh, but so let's get to another game. Probably the second best game of the round. Essendon defeated Port by 22. Massive bounce back game for Essendon. Huge. They really needed this. Huge. Um, I think a lot oddly, well, I don't know about how odd it was, but a lot was made in the lead up uh, of how uh, Essendon had sort of taken Port apart last year. In, at Eddie had in the same uh, the same game um, and I think a lot of people after after Essendon's performance last week which was appalling 
I think a lot of people were looking for them to do the same. And I, I've got to say that despite the scoreline, perhaps being, the score is probably a, a little bit flattering to Port because Essendon were clearly the better side in that game. Yeah, they controlled the entire game. They had the lead the entire way through. Port really didn't get close. And it was a lot closer to 30 and 40 points for the majority yeah. of the game. Yeah, it was. This is the kind of worrying stuff you didn't want to see as a Port fan. This no. is the same yeah. sort of stuff that engenders that flat track bully yeah. kind of rhetoric because the first remotely good side they've really come across Sydney's good but they did the same yeah. last year and it didn't stop everyone calling yeah. them flat track bullies but uh, just another loss they probably needed yeah. to not have they should have won this game looking at where the side's aspirations are yeah you're right and looking at the form going into it you uh, you would have said Porter clearly the better form side in the competition. I mean, they were the, they were the only side that was uh, undefeated. undefeated after three rounds, which is fantastic that uh, that every team at, at, after round four has been beaten. I think it's, it's pretty a, staggering. Yeah, it is. I'm not sure how often it's happened this early, but I yeah. would predict it's very often. Look, I think the thing for Port, uh, one of the considerations has to be that we saw it happen last year and that perhaps this is just something, perhaps Port just don't play Eddie had very well. Um, and if that's the case, I don't think you'd be too worried as a Port fan. I mean, they wouldn't have too many games. Yeah, they'll never play a there. final. At They're not going to play finals at Eddie Had, so it's not. It's probably not the worst stadium to uh, to have as a bogey stadium in in that sense. Um, that's probably fair. And one thing that with the matchup, mm-hmm. Essendon is probably one of the few sides in the league that can play as fast as Port and yeah. not be intimidated yeah. and not yeah. uh, drop off their quality of attacking. Uh, movement. Essendon... Uh, that's probably it, a huge advantage for them at a stadium like Eddie had. Yeah, yeah. It, but Port like to move the ball fast. They use space yeah. really well. Their forward line works well when it's up and running yeah. because they really... Uh, they move well for each other. But Essendon do the same, and Essendon generally are able to... With the last couple of matchups, have been able to outdo Port in that area. Yeah, yeah, I... I agree with you 100%. Um, what, did you make anything of, uh, of Stringer going forward? Yeah, he's just a Ford, isn't he? Like, I mean, he yeah. doesn't have the tank to play in the midfield. He's sort of the. He's this is this, is, this is too much, but the opposite of Dustin Martin. He's the guy that yeah. shouldn't play in the midfield the entire time and no. go forward. He should be the opposite role. He yeah, should be exactly. a 30 player exactly. with midfield being the thirty. He's not going to give you. He's not going to give you a hundred percent. You know, his game is not going to just be. Uh, that sort of that same sustained effort for 100% of the game. He's an X factor player, and he's going to play an explosive burst. Exactly, and if he's playing in the midfield, he doesn't, he can't burst repeatedly. No, so it, no. it all drops away. Exactly. Whereas right. I think over the last few games, he'd have five touches in the first quarter, six touches in the first quarter, and then six for the rest of the three quarters. And I think that's just because he doesn't have the ability to work yeah. hard enough. Yeah. Whereas as a forward, he can be more damaging. His touches mean more. They do, yeah. and. He can use that those burst efforts at the right times. Where well, he can, he can save himself energy. for those forward entries, and and yeah, exactly as you say, use those efforts at the right times, and and I think we all see that. So I don't know why it's taken Essendon so long to. <laughs> oh, to be fair, it's only four rounds. It's taken a lot of coaches a lot longer to do things like That's that. That's true. That's true. Example: John Worsfold finally putting Hooker back. Well, that was the other one, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> we were, that sort of uh, everyone was. Uh, crying out for and lo and behold there it goes I think I mean good on him for uh, for sort of cutting his losses <laughs> Hooker had been fine as a forward the problem is he's a good defender he's a, he's a good you, defender it doesn't matter what positions you have you want 
you want to maximise your talent yeah. and having hooker forward just wasn't doing that yeah, Danaher yeah. is a good number one forward he's a fantastic yeah. forward so you're not really barren in that co- in that yeah. area without him yeah. and do you know Stewart's okay yeah, and fine. Stringer probably has to play as a third tall forward anyway Yeah. so you're not exactly you don't you're not devoid of talent up forward I think that forward line is, is fine it's far from the worst in the league no if, and their small forwards are good Yeah. so I, I don't understand I'd never understood the Compulsion to play hooker forward. It just oh, didn't strike man. me as particularly warranted. I can't disagree with you, but uh, then again, I'm not a premiership coach, so I, I have bones to pick about that kind of characterisation of <laughs> Wordsfold. I think he was uh, mishandled, probably one of the most talented lists we've seen in the AFL era. But anyway, let's move on. The game that I wish Scott was here for: Hawks defeated Melbourne by 67. And the takeaway is Melbourne are soft. I mean, they are at quarter time. You probably couldn't have been <laughs> happier as a Melbourne fan. And if yeah. you left as quarter time as a Melbourne fan, you probably uh, had the right idea because after quarter time, things Did they got kick one bad. or two more goals. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. It was one or two. It was yeah. It was certainly not many. And in the end, I think they did well to get away with sixty-seven points because that could have been a lot, lot worse. Yeah, and I did not expect that at all going in. I was pretty confident in Melbourne. I, oh, really? Yeah, I well, I have a grudge against Hawthorne. Yeah. I just, it's a bias. I I just have to deal with it. Uh, I think I just hold it a lot harder than most other people. I let it get away in rationality. Oh, I don't like Hawthorne, but I yeah, you, certainly thought they were going to win that game. <laughs> I just... Melbourne are supposed to be this up-and-coming side... And they're supposed to have all this midfield strength, but their midfield just was shattered. And when I look at it, without Jack Viney, it's not a particularly intimidating list of names either. Yeah. And it doesn't have any form on paper, so I don't know how we've been able to rate it um, so highly. Oh, I think that there's a lot of probably raw talent there, a lot of potential. Um, I think there's more tries on that list than people... Are actually looking at it. Guys like Harms yeah. aren't really going to bring them. Dean Kent aren't going to bring them top end. No, but then production. you do have blokes like you know when you add Viney to the mix, you got blokes like Clayton Oliver and, and blokes like Petrarca that have that have got a lot of potential. And Clayton Oliver I, I, is Clayton Oliver's an out and out star. He is at the moment, exactly fantastic. right. So, but Nathan Jones is winding down. Oh yes, but he's been. I mean. No, he's been an absolute... I don't think he's factoring player, so. into people's assessments of, of Melbourne's midfield going forward. Well, he kind of has to, because the hole he's going to leave will be pretty big. It will, but so I mean... you've got Oliver and Mining, and you've got the ghost of Tracker maybe being there. <laughs> like, you, you can't say it's going to work, because it hasn't been there yet. Yeah. He, could be do the, he could do a danger field and suddenly yeah. be the best midfielder. I suppose, but having ha- the, the, other, the other consideration you have to make is that you've got Max Gorn feeding these guys, who's, who's up there amongst the top rucks in the comp. Um... So they're they're going to have good uh, they're they're going to be fed well and 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 you know they don't, perhaps don't need those sort of uh, as much as uh, perhaps other clubs they certainly still need them but they're sort of uh, those Nathan Jones type sort of contested ball winners that are going to be able to win their own ball because they're going to be fed well and and if you got a bloke like Viney on the side then perhaps you don't need uh, you don't need that sort of uh, sort of tough uh, contested ball tight player as much yeah I just think they're a couple of players away through the midfield which I 
I thought was their strength the last couple mm. of years. I I just think they need a little bit more. Oh look, they were. I think to be honest, on on uh, Sunday they were out coached. They were just. I mean, I think just we got to give. Uh, he's a, just really good, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to admit it, but he's. Uh, he is he, the best he's coach, really good coach. And he's the best coach by. A fair stretch. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who's been able to reinvent sides repeatedly. Oh, no. I, I, I like, Maybe we should be talking about how good Hawthorne looked because I think for other than you know last week against the reigning premiers, they've looked great. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. People keep talking about how they've rebuilt in six weeks, but they haven't really rebuilt. They're still the second oldest team in the competition. They are. There's so much premiership talent there, and yes, yeah. they moved on. Uh, they moved on Mitchell Ruffhead no Mitchell Lewis and and Hodge but there's still guys there's a lot of guys that will drop off in the next few years Bergwijn Ruffhead but Bergwijn hasn't been playing the last couple of weeks no he hasn't but I I don't think there's as much talent going forward as people say so I do think they need to perform now and they are performing now so that's that's fine. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that they're going to be. A, they're, they're an up and coming team. I'm saying they're here now. I'm saying that they're, they're a chance. I think. You think they're a chance? I do. Uh, I'm not ready to go there yet. I think they've. Look, I think they have looked almost as good as any other side in the comp this year so far. I think. I've been really, really impressed by the way that Hawthorne played. I think it's too early to give them that. I think Jaeger looks great, and he's probably been the biggest improvement to their side this year from what I've seen. I, I think he I just, looks fantastic, um, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, and Shields being back in a bit more form. Yeah. Isaac Smith looked good as well. So their midfield is performing better than it did last year, but I still don't think there's enough there, and I think against the better sides, they'll get exposed. Maybe. I think on their day, they, they can match it with anyone. It's a matter of... I don't think they quite have that top end. Hmm. Oh, we'll see. I, as, yeah, as we say, it's uh, it's still it, it's usually by this stage of the season you have some sort of idea of where everyone's at. I just can't pick anyone at the moment. Just yeah, about. It's, I, it's, it's very hard. If I other than Carlton, if I tried to do another ladder prediction and revise it, I don't. I think I don't I'd know. just stare at a yeah. screen for an hour and not do anything. I can't because place I can't. anyone. There'd be teams that had moved down, but yeah. I'm not sure. I, d- I don't think I have a clear-cut favourite for the Premiership. Mm. I don't have a clear-cut top four. I definitely don't have a clear-cut top eight. None yeah. of these, like, I haven't separated sides into tiers yet in my mind. Yeah. And I think that's a really good side for the strength of the competition. Oh, look, the only prediction I'd be willing to go on the record and make at the moment is that I think uh, Carlton will win the wooden spoon. Yeah. And I predicted that at the start of the year, so I'm pretty happy that you did. Good so. on you. Good yeah. on you. Well, Scott said North would win it, so anything other than that is good by me. Oh, I can't see that happen. Oh, thank you, Stringer. It's I'd nice like to, I'd like to see it happen, but I don't. It's think it will. nice to someone who doesn't hate North Melbourne so much that it clouds their judgment. Oh, but anyway, yeah. let's get to the. Be reason. nice to have someone who didn't love them so much it clouded their judgment. Yeah, that's no chance. This is my podcast. Uh, let's move on to the real reason you're here. Stringer's innovations. Yep. It's named after you. Well, that's because it's my segment. It's probably our fourth most consistent segment, and given we've done it three times, that says a lot about our consistency. I think it's been four or five, hasn't it? 
Well, we're not going to. I don't know. Well, look, we're we not can... going to go check the records. No, <laughs> no, no. Look. I'll give you four. We'll say four. four? All right. We'll split the difference. What have you got for us today? Well, I have Look, I'll be honest. I haven't got an innovation. I've got an exciting development in the world of innovations. Um, this is this is new twist to. The, it's a new twist. New twist to the segment. So you've asked me to come up with uh, come up with an idea. I've said to you, mate. I don't need an idea, right? Because. Look, we've had some, some good innovations on this segment. There have been some highlights, I'll give you that. Um, we had, uh, I think there was uh, draft week where uh, everyone gets points and I can't remember the exact way the system worked, but I think we agreed it was a better, a better way to run a draft. Um, you bid on your players with your points and this it ran for a so week. This so much to the organisational level of this podcast. I'm really glad you've come here to embody it. We had helmet cam. Um, and that was, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, they half did it with umpire cam. Well, that's it. I mean, I think that was what it was based on, wasn't it? Well, look, I don't remember, but keep moving. <laughs> I don't quite remember All, either. Always um, the footy rink, I think, was another one. So there's at least three. Yeah, that, and, one, and, and, that one wasn't good. Given what we've seen with injuries at Optus, with people cutting themselves on the, uh, on yeah. the fence, I'm not really going to say that was a good one. Oh, I've put some padding there. So you're fine. <laughs> um, but I'm going to take you back. And uh, can you recall what the first ever Stringer's Innovation was? I can. It's, it sticks out. I, I dream of it. It was by far the best innovation you've ever come up with. And it was the tap forward. The tap forward. It was innovative. Yep. It was out of the box. Yep. It was revolutionary. Yeah, and so... yes, those are all synonyms. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Jared. Um, <laughs> so, for those who perhaps don't... Uh, weren't listening, weren't listeners at the time, and they all... Or perhaps didn't listen to that particular podcast... Um, the tap forward was, uh, I'll tell you, maybe people have forgotten. Basically, the tap forward, what the uh, idea was, was that we were going to put uh, similar concepts to the tap ruckman, but uh, basically we were going to turn every forward entry into a ruck contest. We were going to have basically a uh, one of our regular ruck type players or someone who you usually expect to be, uh, be put in the ruck we were going to stick them up forward and then have crummers at their feet so that they could tap down to them, have the, uh, have the small blokes uh, picking up the crumbs uh, in a sort of predictable manner and, uh, and scoring goals off it. It was going to be revolutionary and um, I was laughed at for that. I think... Uh, yeah, pretty widely. Ri- ridiculed. Yeah, I did ridicule, ridicule you. Well, I stand by it, to be honest. But... You stand by it. Well, imagine my surprise when... On Friday night at Adelaide Oval, we saw the big American Mason Cox. Who was your suggested proponent of the Tapford role? Oh, well, you obviously. Was the man you... Obviously, you remember this better than I do, but I, I can believe that I suggested that as the idea. I mean, he's. I think it stemmed from the fact that he couldn't mark it, which was a uh, good way of maximising his strength. Well, it probably yeah, is a good way of, uh, of maximising his impact then. I mean, but he's 6 foot 11, he fits the role perfectly. And imagine my surprise when I saw him in the forward line having it bomb to him so that he could bring the ball down to some of the smaller players. And. This has been hailed as... I've, I've listened... Being a Collingwood supporter, I have listened to a lot and read a lot of analysis on this game. I can't get enough, really. <laughs> I um, understand that. Yeah, yeah. And this has been hailed by a lot of people as 
you know, a lot of people are saying he had five touches, but it was a great five-touch game because the way that he was able... He doesn't doesn't lose a contest, and he's able to bring the ball to ground in a predictable manner, almost like a ruck contest. And this was being hailed as some sort of revolutionary idea. And I said, hang on. I suggested this two years ago. This is blowing my mind. Yeah. So... What, what, you're, what you're alleging is plagiarism, really. I'm not alleging plagiarism. What I am... Have you been properly compensated by the Collingwood Football Club? Have well, you been referenced in... I'm in suggesting... Tactical... I believe that Nathan Buckley listens to Plebs on Footy and that not only does he listen to it, he's gone back on the over the off-season, he's, he's gone back and listened to the back catalogue, he's thought, these guys are onto something and he's heard, the, he's heard about the tap forward... Perhaps he's, he's, he's making his way through and he's, he's up to... stats and we did have one person actually go through and listen to everyone. Now, did they accidentally just leave it running on their computer for an absurd Hang on, are you able to get, you, you're not able to get a username on that. It wasn't nbuckley05 or... I, I, I did not track it down. Nate's rules I, I, at, I didn't, uh, at hotmail.com I didn't or, think anything of it at the time, but with this additional piece of information, well, I think look, we can confirm. I th- Well, I think that... Perhaps what's happening is that Nathan Buckley started at the start and he's, he's working his way through them. And maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe next week we're going to see Steel Sidebottom run out with a helmet, with a helmet and a camera in his helmet. Look, I, maybe. Think, I think he'd probably need uh, AFL permission to do that. So it'd be like the aluminium bat. He'd be sent straight back in. Maybe. But I could see him at a press conference suggesting it. Look, all I'm saying is, Bucks, if you are listening... Um, Hit up the Facebook page. Uh, let me know. I'm happy to join you in the coaches box this uh, on, on Anzac Day, um, and uh, and give you a few more ideas because I've got plenty. So uh, hit us up, mate. I'm I'm, I'm here to help. I've got so many that you didn't have one for this segment. I'm just saving it, mate. Now that I know Bucks is after them, I don't want to give them away to other coaches. He was probably so moved by your impassioned plea for him to. I can't remember if you wanted him fired or him to be kept. But uh, you, never happened. No one, would, no, no one will ever find evidence of <laughs> me wanting Bucks going. <laughs> Whatever it Doesn't was, exist. you were passionate. That's I'm, what I applaud. I've always stood by him. But let's move to the mailbag. Hit me up, Bucks. <laughs> let's move to the mailbag. And we've been asked to have a general discussion on our thoughts of Hawthorne putting a player behind the man on the mark and shepherding him out of the way. Do you have any problem with this at all? It's been happening for years, hasn't it? It has been happening for years. I think uh, uh, Queen's birthday uh, would have been a long time ago, almost 10 years ago. It was, uh, I seem to remember uh, Lumumba was doing this. And he was in front, they had to actually change the rule because he would stand in front of the player on the mark. Ooh, that's interesting. Harry O at the time, of course. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Um, <laughs> so you, you just don't care? Uh, I mean, how can you stop it? Unless you create a protected zone around the actual player on the mark, which seems... Slightly trivial. Yeah, I mean, how can you stop it? Is there a way? No, not to my mind. Maybe somebody should come up with an innovative rule change. Well, to, I just uh, did. The only thing I could think of is having a protected zone around the, the mark player, which... <laughs> Just seems silly. We should have done some preparation for this podcast. Maybe that could have been your innovation. I don't want it though. <laughs> oh well, let's move on. We've been asked by Pucci. Could Dustin Martin win a Coleman medal if he played eighty percent forward? No. I agree. Move on. Who's going to win the Coleman instead if he was playing eighty percent forward? How many goals would he kick? Give us some. Oh, he kick, he kick plenty of goals. I don't think he'd, be, he'd kick Coleman amounts. If he's, he's at six, there's no way. There's no way if you have Dustin Martin in your team, you're not having him at the uh, at the centre bounce for a. Uh, 
for the centre bounce, basically. And and if that's the case, then he's not going to win a Coleman medal. You cannot <laughs> you cannot start every centre bounce in the middle and win a Coleman medal. I think it does have to be pointed out that Dustin Martin kicked six against Brisbane in a 93-point victory. That's true as it well. It was a fantastic performance, but let's it wasn't get, against... Let's not get most, carried away. Yeah, exactly. He had five a couple of weeks ago against Adelaide. That yeah. was far more impressive. Yeah. But I don't think it's replicable. And I think if he played as a forward more often, more time would be put into it. He'd yeah. come across bigger defenders, yeah. better defenders. That's exactly right. That would be able to match him for strength. Because that's what sets him apart up forward. Yeah. And I think you'd find people that match up well against him and it yeah. wouldn't work as well. Look, he's going to have a great year as he has for the last few years. I mean, he's Dustin Martin. What, what can we say about him that hasn't already been said? But he's, he's not going to get Coleman medal. No. Absolutely not. Probably another Brownlow, but... Oh, wouldn't, surpri- wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. <laughs> so, was another question. Was this the worst round of footy in recent years? Um, well, no, I don't think so. Because as we've discussed... Even in the uh, one-sided games, there were implications, and we still don't know uh, the lay of the land in terms of where where teams are at. So I think that in that sense, it's kept us guessing. And and you know, while there were a lot of one-sided results, they were, didn't always go the way we expected. So I don't think it was the worst round of footy. No, there's I, a lot to take I, out of it. I think it shows a short memory from the person who asked this question. Really? Ah, oh. because. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> because he's just forgetting the the dog days of the early Gold Coast GWS years. That's true. That produced some shocking football. That did, yeah. And the standard the standard of that competition was so dispersed, so uneven that mm. there was just week after week of beltings. There was one year North Melbourne came eighth with fourteen wins. Mm. That is a fairly high number for eighth. Yeah, and it just. That's kind of the uneven years that we were having in yeah. those early periods. Yeah. I saw you write a book on, on that. Um, <laughs> on that. Um, and we, we have a... We'll go to the last question. And this has been asked by another Queensland listener. For the first time a Queensland listener that's not Poochie, it's, it's pretty big news, yep. I must say. And you're a privilege to be a witness to this. Oh, I am, yeah. And he's asked, considering that we're deprived of quality AFL up here in the Sunshine State, can the plebs convince me that going to the Gabba on April 22nd to support the Lions against the Suns won't be a complete waste of my time? Um, I think this is the same answer you gave to the Dusty question. (laughs) Oh, look, it's a tough sell, but I'll try and make it. Um, (laughs) Look, the Lions versus the Suns. um, Is there... A bigger rivalry in the AFL than the Lions versus the Suns at the Gabba. Um, not one that's based in Queensland. Not not one based in Queensland. Are there two clubs in Queensland that hate each other more than the Lions and the Suns? The Absolutely answer, not. It's tough to make it. Unless it's, it's like Aspley versus. It's tough to make a call. It's tough to make a call that there are two AFL clubs in the in Queensland that hate themselves more than each other <laughs> and themselves more than the Lions and the Suns. Um, and look, both got uh, flogged by similar margins on the weekend, so you could see a really, yeah. really close game. The um, story behind this game is redemption. Look to it's me. all about redemption. One of these sides is going to come up and be able to forget about last look, week after this. To be completely fair, I think this game will actually tell us a lot about where the clubs are at, because as we said... The Lions had a lot of hype around them, even despite having not won a game. Yeah, it probably will. prior to this week. It probably will. And so did the Suns. I think there's been there's been a fair bit of uh, promise shown by both these sides, and I think this 
This has actually be uh, an interesting matchup. I'm actually interested to see the result. Yeah, it'll probably tell us where in the bottom four each of these sides will finish. Oh, that's a bit rough, I think. <laughs> but that's in all honesty, the way you make this game exciting for you is you bet on it. You bet on the margin, you bet on who's going to win, you bet on who's going to get the most possessions. You keep yourself interested by putting something on the line. There's nothing better than making it interesting by putting money um, on it. I should put in a disclaimer at this point that Plebs on footy uh, do not encourage gambling, and uh, if you do gamble, gamble responsibly. <laughs> I really liked your imitation of the voice at the end of those ads. You oh, really I've, nailed it. I've watched far too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's the end of that. We'll get to the quick run-through of the Cane Corns call of the week. Yep. Uh, the one we heard was actually dobbed in by a, probably not a listener, but someone told you about this. Yeah, we're not entirely sure of the validity of it, but we're willing to run with yeah. it. We know it was on SEN, we don't know who said it, but the, the call is that the only legitimate teams that can win the flag are the Dons, Pies, Tigers, Eagles and Hawks. This is an absurd I mean, w- call. where do we start on this? Um, I, I just, ruling, so you don't think Adelaide will make the top four? I no, still I do. I think it's ridiculous to rule out the grand finals. It's ridiculous to rule out either of the Sydney teams. Yep. I think it's ridiculous to include Essendon. Oh. After one good side, you think they're a legitimate side that can win? No. Mm, no, I don't. I do think it's reasonably ridiculous. But I, did, I should point out at this point, I did say that about Richmond right up until quarter time on grand final day. So, last year. So Yeah, no, so did I. So did I. And for the Bulldogs, My form right hasn't been, up until okay. three quarter Oh, no, time. I thought the Bulldogs would actually win after after their prelim win. But anyway, that's... that's <laughs> I digress. Um, I think the Pies is ridiculous to include there. I'm still not sold on either the Eagles or the Hawks. I think this call has... It, Completely backwards. I certainly don't think we've seen enough of the pies to uh, to say that to, to include them in that category. But I don't think it's ridiculous to to say that they potentially could be a chance. But I'd have them in the same category at this stage as the Eagles, to be honest, or the Hawks. Um, Tigers obviously are a um, are a big chance, and they're probably uh, yeah. the form team of the competition. They're at the, the only team it's not ridiculous to see on this, to be honest. The reigning premiers, yeah, yeah I can see them being. A I think as a list chance. of five teams, this is a ridiculous call. <laughs> if you're going to pick five teams, these aren't the five teams you Absolutely. pick. In fact, only one of these teams would be included amongst mine. Maybe the Hawks. Okay, now it's up for your call. Yep. You said you prepared something, which yep. is more than we can say for your Aaron segment. So what have you got? Oh well, look, this might. Um, I'm kind of regretting what I've just said um, in light of this, but um, I've got a big call to make, and that, uh, that call is that uh, I'll try and I, that call is I think that uh, on Anzac Day we could be watching the two grand final teams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we ordered this so poorly. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's a terrible take. <laughs> After watching the weekend, I don't, I'm not sure it is. Both grand final teams. Yeah, well, we saw not we, one of those sides. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen a lot from the uh, the two Adelaide based sides in recent times, and they were dismantled on the weekend by a rampaging Collingwood sign and a Essendon side that looks like they had their shit together. I think Anzac Day is going to be a big game, and it could be the grand final preview. Oh, I, I just I can't even entertain that as well. I look forward. I look forward to being on your grand final preview show. I'll be mildly um, surprised if both sides make the finals, let alone the grand final. Well, are you you prepare would, to be surprised? 
Fair that enough. That doesn't make sense, does it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is going to sound terrible looking back on it. But anyway, my big call, yep. outside of Buddy Franklin, Ben Brown's second, the best forward in the league. Ooh. Best key forward, sorry. Best key... Ooh. Jeez, I don't know about that. He's definitely in the conversation. I think he's there. Tom Lynch? I think he's better than Tom Lynch. All right. Um, Kennedy? I think Kennedy's been too injured recently to say that. I mean, didn't Ben Brown have a couple of injuries last year? No, he didn't miss a game. Or missed one game. He didn't miss Ben. Concussion. Not Was Ben Brown. He got concussed by Barry Grundy. I don't remember that. That was the only game he missed. Grundy got suspended. Oh, that's right. That was the only <laughs> game he missed. He all gets right. injuries in the off-season. All right. In the real I'll take your word for it. Um, oh, I think Ben Brown's obviously a great player. Um, He's kicked 49 goals in his life. I don't think this is a ridiculous games. call, actually. Um, I wouldn't agree with it, but I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, that's what I wanted. This is why you're here, <laughs> to let me get away with my shit. I can, no. <laughs> Alright, alright. You, you want another big call? Yeah, go ahead. We'll, uh, we'll go along. Alright, alright. Um, still side bottom will win the Brownlow medal. Oh, that is huge. I think he's... I think I think this year he has stepped up to uh, A-grade material. Um, he's had two weeks in a row of... Uh, two fantastic games in a row. And uh, I think that uh, he's on track for a big, big season. I could definitely see him make his first All-Australian side. I'm not willing to say he's going to win the Brownlow. Crazy, especially when I think there's that guy from Hawthorne who's pretty good bet. Mm, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and who, if I do recall, a couple of weeks ago, you were yelling at everybody to put money on for the Brown Lights. Yeah, well, this week's side bottom is my uh, gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going to happen every week? You're going to have a new person to bet. No, 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 no. <laughs> I got my two. Top two. Brown Lake, Quinella, side bottom, Mitchell. Right, Not sure enough. what order, but we'll see. Fair enough. Let's get to our tips. Yeah. Uh, so I say that... Uh, uh, just on that point, um, grand final sides have a good history of producing Brownlow medalists, so that uh, so adds a tick to side bottom's box. Uh, anyway, go on. <laughs> okay, Friday night, big game, Sydney, Adelaide. Uh, in Sydney? Yes. Yeah, you'd have to go Sydney, wouldn't you? I think after, so. After last Friday night. Especially it's, uh, with it's Adelaide's It's hard to pick Adelaide, yeah. A less difficult one to pick, St Kilda, Giants. Um, oh, I mean, it would... It's, it, it's it would take quite anyway. it would take quite a turnaround from uh, from the Saints to win that one. Yeah, it? I think quite comfortable. I mean, the Giants generally play Eddie pretty well, don't they? Yeah, the thing that that can get the Giants is sometimes they can be a little soft. Yeah, but I think one of the few teams in the league that's yep. guaranteed to be softer than them is St Kilda. <laughs> and I think I think uh, Robertson's actually a big loss. He's a yeah, massive. Presum- loss. Presumably, he doesn't play on uh, on the weekend and. Um, He's a huge loss for a team that couldn't really afford to Yeah, we didn't touch on that, but that was scary watching him. Just yeah, it was bizarre, wasn't it? It just... You, just, you don't see that very much. It just looked like everything stopped with his body. It well, just, it just went fell. down. It was crazy anyway. But yeah, I hope I've he's got, all right. Yeah, so do I. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've got the same. I'm going the Giants. Next up, the Eagles are going to break their MCG Hudo. Uh, yeah, look, if, if they were ever... Yeah, if they can't break it this week, they never will. Basically, no. yeah, they will be damned to an eternity of losing. If if, if if they lose this if game. the Eagles lose this weekend, they seriously cannot. They they just cannot play the MCG because no. they're playing a Carlton side that won't have Mark Murphy, um, which is 
I mean, they, oh, I just shudder to think of of what uh, what's going to happen to the Blues over the next few weeks. They're they're in a bad place at the moment. Yeah, if they can't win this game, they need to find the five hundred million dollars to convince to outbid the Victorian state government on the deal to play grand finals of the MCG till two thousand fifty seven. They need to come up with that money to move that to move the grand Jeez. final. Otherwise, just no chance. All right. Yep. <laughs> um, next up, we got. Port and the Cats at the Adelaide Oval. This is a pretty interesting game, I think. This is an interesting game. Um, look, I think at the Adelaide Oval, um, I'd back Port to bounce back um, Yeah, and I, I don't think Geelong will be able to contain Port's forward line, and I no, think Port no. really need to bounce back. They yeah, need to show a lot so. this week. Uh, uh, yeah. 3-0 Dogs in Perth. In Perth? Well, another interesting one. Um, I think in Perth, sort of, probably massively tilted towards Freo. Um, the Dogs have had two uh, two big performances, but they've both come at Etihad Stadium, which is a stadium they've sort of traditionally played pretty well. Um, so I think being in Perth, I'd have to back Freo on that one. Yeah, again, I'm going to go with you. And I think it's going to give us a real window into how serious this return to form yeah. for the Dogs is. Well, this is another one that's got sort of big implications in, in, in sort of determining the lay of the land at this stage. But... Uh, yeah, I, I'm backing Freo, but I would not be surprised at all to see the dogs get up in it. Yeah, one that I think's got less implications is North Melbourne Hawthorne. Oh, you say that, but I think... I, I do think Hawthorne will win. I think they'll win comfortably, but it'll be interesting to see how North do play and whether they... Um, uh, if they are getting beaten, whether they sort of uh, put up... How much of a fight they put up. Yeah, I would like a competitive game, and I think there's probably a... 20 to 30 percent chance we do get over the line like i don't think we're miles behind hawthorne i think you're comfortably behind them but uh I, yeah i've admitted that they've impressed me but I, I do still think that uh north melbourne are comfortably behind hawthorne and i think hawthorne will win comfortably as i say for me it'll be a matter of how much of a fight uh, north melbourne can put up and yeah. um yeah, I'll back hawthorne but yeah so will i next up we do have the q clash the, q the clash. big game the game we're going to put all our money yep. on. So who you got? <laughs> I've got the Suns in this. Um, I, apart from the weekend, uh, I like what I've seen from the Suns so far this year. Um, I think they've looked. They've, there's been a lot of promising signs to the Suns, and these are the games they're going to have to win, especially if they want to keep Lynch. Um, they're going to have yeah, to. Absolutely. They're going to have to start showing that they can be a successful side, um, and this is the sort of game they're going to have to win. Um, Having said that, as I say, and as I said earlier, this will give us a great indication of where these two sides are at. I yeah, think. and I think if the Suns win this, they're in the positive yep. ledger, they're three and two, yep. and that's massive for them. I think, uh, to be honest, I think any result, any possible result out of this game is interesting. Yeah, so I don't know what uh, our Queensland listener was talking about. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think any, you think of any possible result from this game, and it's an interesting result. Perfect. Next up, we got the Anzac Day Eve game. Yep. Melbourne, Richmond. Um. Yeah. I mean, look. Last week, this probably would have looked like a uh, a very interesting game, but after the weekend's performances, I don't see how Melbourne can win. I just think the way if the way they're going to have to show something very very different to the way they played on the weekend if they're going to get over Richmond, especially if Richmond play the way they did on the weekend. Yeah, and you know what? 
I'm going to predict the bounce back. I'm going to go really? with Melbourne. I think oh, okay. the last time these two teams played, Melbourne was comfortably the better side until yeah. they had a series of injuries. Gorn went down, yeah. and then their backup Ruckman went down, and yeah. then Jack Watts was rocking. And yeah. they don't have Jack Watts, so if it comes to that again, they're really screwed. Yeah, yeah they're but, a spot of bother, aren't they? <laughs> but I just think there's a few matchup problems. Yeah. Absolutely, Gorn will towel up yeah. Vancouver's, and that'll reduce, what, reduce the Tigers' midfield a yeah. bit. And I can see Melbourne, if they play, get to play on the front foot for a lot of the game, I can really see them putting the pressure on the Tigers. Yeah. And to be honest, I just didn't want to tip the same as you the entire time. <laughs> so let's move on to the big tight. game for you. Yeah, the, uh, the grand the final, grand final preview. preview. Who you got? Um, it's, I can't get past the Pies after, after Friday night and the way that their trajectory has gone um, over this season. I think after having a... Uh, a sort of one game uh, back at AFL level to go it will be, will be a lot better and the way that Grundy and Slybottom are playing I think that they're going to be tough to beat yeah I, to be honest I agree with you I think this game as always is a coin flip and I think these teams are pretty evenly matched I think they are as well especially after the weekend yeah but I'm just going to go with Collingwood they play at the G more often they do yeah and I to be honest McKenna being out there's a few more yeah, worries true. I see from the Essendon side that yeah. I see from the Collingwood side, even though you've got guys like Wells out. Yeah. You've played well enough without them to give me a bit That's more... That's true. That's true. A bit, bit more hope for you. I think, yeah, having that extra pace through the midfield with... Uh, with or off half-back with Sam Murray and then through the midfield and the forward line with uh, with Stephenson has been a massive, massive uh, inclusion for us. Um, and it's probably something we've been lacking. I mean, the, the, the other sort of pacey player we've had is Trelaw and having a couple more blokes like that to sort of uh, to add that that extra pace it has been probably something that we've been lacking and a big big uh, uh, factor in our improvement so for what looks to be our improvement so far this year so uh, I hope that that can continue yeah absolutely for your sake I do too <laughs> well anyway thanks for listening to the Plebs on Footy podcast a bit different this week with a different co-host first yeah. one Scott's ever missed so oh, well. we it's hope been, it's been a pleasure week. it's been a pleasure <laughs> glad to hear it uh, yeah, thanks to you for showing up. It would have been a pretty boring one-man show otherwise. Oh, yeah. And, well. uh, yeah, have a listen next week as well. Thank you. Thanks.